0: of the Hoop Heads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. And welcome to 305 Culture. A show where you feel the heat yeah yeah now let's get down to bit and talk some miami heat basketball well kev before we begin how you doing man
1: can't complain man obviously wonderful to be here um we're recording on the friday night after the hornets game so uh amped up glad happy at what i saw um <clears throat> just loving the fact that the team could come out and get a win against the team uh the quality of the hornets and i know it's early in the season but specifically when i speak towards the quality. Um, you know, we were able to hold a team down that has shown the ability to score. But we'll get into that.
0: Mike Breen mentioned it on the broadcast. This was a nationally televised game, by the way. Mike Breen mentioned it multiple times that this was this was the top-scoring team in the NBA coming into this game, averaging over 120 points per game. The Miami Heat held the Charlotte Hornets to 99 points. I was, I was paying a lot of attention to... To the horn, it's not crossing the 100 point mark. I was just—I don't know why it—it it was I was so attentive to that, but they didn't get across the 100 point mark, and I felt so happy for some reason. It's not like I'm gonna get a prize or anything, but yeah, it felt really good. This win, however, let's go back a bit to two days ago, where the Miami Heat played the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn and defeated them in a game that got close there for a bit, but the Heat seemingly had control for most of it, except for that second quarter where when the Nets came alive. That third quarter for me was a was a blur. But anyway, Miami ended up defeating the Brooklyn Nets 106 to 93 with James Harden's struggles continuing. Bam out of bio, 24 points, nine rebounds. Jimmy Butler actually led the team in rebounding, 14 rebounds. Kenneth, what stood out to you in that game?
1: I mean, to be quite honest with you, man, just the Miami Heat's ability to not only come out and impose their will on the game and on the net, but just the way that they came out and managed both James Harden and Kevin Durant gives you confidence that Not only is this something that they can do in the regular season, but this is something that they can definitely carry over to the postseason. And of course, things become condensed, but it's like it wasn't a situation where they killed you and you got off because they didn't have any help. You pretty much held them in check. And again, speaking towards Kevin Durant, if you think about something that, um, PJ Tucker has actually said, and he actually said it recently on JJ Reddick's the Old Man in the Three podcast. He's going to get his shots. It's about how hard you make him work to get that to to get that production off. And when you look at it, so he went fifty percent from the floor, yeah, two or four from three, yeah, fifty percent again. So he in five or six from the free throw line. He had a pretty good night efficiency wise, but he was only able to score twenty five. He was the only guy above. 15 points on the whole roster and i mean that's just a good situation when you're thinking about what you can carry over from game to game
0: absolutely and pj tucker defended him pretty well on the positions that he took that he took on him kevin durant is gonna is kevin durant he's gonna get his as you mentioned in the video pj tucker mentioned it he's gonna get his he's kevin durant he's an all-time great so you just got to live with some of the shots he makes, but you got to make it as hard as you can on him so that the other guys don't have to start helping you. And then that opens up the, the floor for the other Brooklyn Nets. Now, speaking of other Brooklyn Nets, James Harden, he came on in the second quarter and then he vanished. He tried his hardest to bait the refs into into his usual BS fouls that the NBA has cracked down on in the in the beginning of the season. It's been a major point of, of conversation throughout Twitter and the and basically the whole media has been covering the crackdown on leaning into defenders and drawing fouls. And I wouldn't say it's the only reason it has affected James Harden, but he did look – dare I say he looked kind of slow out there? Maybe it's the – he has said that the hamstring injury recovery – took him basically the entire offseason and he came back to five on five action a couple days before training camp that was i think that was mentioned in the in the broadcast so james harden he looked like he was playing underwater but anyway our guys kyle lowry and this is gonna gonna touch on this on tonight's game kyle lowry he ran the he's running the offense beautifully. The shot still yet to come around. In Brooklyn, he he had a bit of an all-around game, nine point six rebounds, nine assists. fit thirty-seven percent from the field. Still not great. One for five from deep. The Miami Heat have actually been been struggling mightily from deep.
1: Absolutely. Um among the among the league worst league worst um in all of the key three-point statistics. When you look at uh, three-point attempts, they rank 26 in the NBA at just 31 a game. When you look at the three-pointers made, they rank 28th in the NBA at just 9.5 made per game. And of course, you're going to have a corresponding three-point percentage. Um, They rank 28th in the league with 30.6% from three per game as a team. Now, mind you, the stats haven't totally concluded um, from tonight's slate of games, but just might for a slip ballpark a little. figure, it might, right. It like You're you, you, you you're not looking at it going up that much for the Miami Heat. So either way, this is a good read of where they are as a team. But, you know, amazingly enough, man, they're converting enough shots at the basket and going to the rim where they're not only able to win games, but look rather impressive doing it. And I also wrote that recently All You Can Heat, as I, do quite often the site expert over at All You Can so you can check me out every day at your writing needs or your reading convenience at any event. They have so much room for improvement and specifically with an eye towards three point shooting that is crazy. They're already this good, right? And again, only a few games, a handful of games into the season. They're already as good as we think they might be, but they have so much room for improvement because we know that eventually the three point shots are gonna fall. I mean, they have too many good shooters, Tyler Hero, is hitting his three-point shots, um, you know, with a bit of regularity, regularity, especially compared to the other guys. When you look at the Brooklyn game, excuse me, Uh, he was one for six from three. But when you look at the Charlotte game, he did come back and hit a couple of three-pointers going four of six from three in that game. Um, You know, sticky situation there, but as long as they can stay in games without hitting the three, you have confidence that he'll eventually come back.
0: I will say though that when you get the type of contribution that you got out of PJ Tucker on the defensive and on the floor, couple that with the shot, he was making shots in Brooklyn. He had 15 points. I would be I wouldn't be surprised if, if that turns out to be his season high and he doesn't reach that the that plateau anytime soon or for the rest of the season. But as I think we mentioned before, if he gives you more than four points That's already an added bonus because you know that on the offensive end, he won't give you that much, but he's not here for that. He's here for his defense, his rebounding. I think this is something that has gone under the radar, has flown under the radar by the media pundits that are discussing the Miami Heat's hot start and some fans. P.J. Tucker's effort on the rebound department, sometimes the rebounding numbers don't reflect how big he has been on the offensive glass for the Miami Heat. His hustle, tipping the ball out to wherever other Miami Heat players are, Bam has been benefiting of that a lot. He's his rebounding numbers have jumped up, that uh, mostly due to his outstanding effort and incredible strength that he possesses right now. But PJ Tucker and Markeith Morris, uh, to that to that point, have also been really important for the for the Heat's offensive rebounding efforts. Where the, if I'm not mistaken, the Miami Heat are the best offensive rebounding team in the nba right now and they are the best rebounding team overall in the nba and that's a far cry from last season where they were among the league worst rebounding wise and as pat riley likes to say no rebounds no rings and well i think
1: absolutely absolutely man and 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 i have to throw in there you can't forget dwayne damon uh an example I think it was in the Brooklyn game. it was in a recent game. it probably was Brooklyn. Let me be sure here
0: yeah, in the Brooklyn yes, game he was in the
1: Brooklyn game he had nine rebounds right but out of those nine rebounds, six of them were offensive
0: so that's pretty crazy. most of his rebounds came on the offensive end you don't you don't see that often if at all he
1: doubled himself in- up on the offensive rebound and that's nuts and and mind you he's he's doing a good job. And making things happen off of those offensive rebounds, but also in general, showing you the mid range game, showing you the ability to drive past. I mean, he's really helping. I I we had talked about it before the season, and I've been heavy on it at all. You can heat the bench in general. Um and you mentioned guys like, you know, PJ's a starter, but you mentioned guys like Mark Keefe, and then you talk about Dwayne and even Max Truce at times, even though he hasn't found that shot to spoke to speak towards um the three point shooting. Um The bench itself, man, has been crucial for the Heat, too. So while the starters are doing their thing, I guess you can afford to have guys like Laurie not coming on offensively yet when the bench is going to produce like they are. But yeah, man, back to the point at hand, the rebounding situation, that's something that they're definitely helping as well. And you mentioned it. Not only does PJ have that ability to help out there because even though he's a smaller, big, for lack of better terms, he still has that big frame. And the mentality to play big and as big as he does. And, of course, Marquise and and DeWayne are going to help in that area because they are bigger dudes in general.
0: And we can't forget Tyler Hero. Dare I say one of the best rebounding guards in the league. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. has always been that, though, JJ. Always.
0: But this year, it has been – we're five games in, of course. But this year, the rebounding numbers have been staggering for a guard. So – Anything else from the Brooklyn game that we want to touch on? Oh, I almost forgot. Maybe I might I might be nitpicking here. But Jimmy left a le- left some of some points at the rim. There was the ball rolled out on him a couple times. But he got up. He got one block, but <laughs> he got up on that block to get it. Jimmy He looks spry, man. He looks he's jumping like I never saw him do last season, he has been on the defensive and he has been incredible. By the way, that game against Brooklyn, he came off a five steal game against the Magic. Well, guess what? He followed that up with four steals against the Brooklyn Nets. So that's nine steals in total through two games, and he that he has been outstanding, man. He it's he's Jimmy Butler. He has been incredible. You want to say something else about this next game before we dive into the Hornets game because I'm really excited about it.
1: Oh, yeah, man. Just closing off on the next game and to tie a bow and piggyback off something you said. You mentioned Jimmy Butler being spry. You actually, your word choice was perfect there. And that's spry, bro. Like when you look at the way he's bouncing, when you look at the way he's attacking, when you look at the things he's able to do on offense. So again, I hate to get ahead of myself because we're going to get there to pull up three and transition that he hit against Charlotte. Um when you look at his ability to go to the block and operate fluidly, freshly with electricness, um, electricity, I guess not electricness. I just made up another word. <laughs> at least I'm not saying situation a thousand times this week or this episode, but with electricity, um, that you can see how spry he is and how fresh he is, man. And I guess that's what rest will do for you, but also having Kyle Laurie there. Um, able to operate the offense and take a lot of that pressure off him as well as left him with the ability to be able to give his all in other areas. And as you mentioned, we can see it.
0: Yeah. So Heat Hornets, the game we just came off of. Boy, this was a fun game. Credit to the Hornets. They are a young fun, te- fun team. Miles Bridges. He's on an All Star ascension this season. If he continues this, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he's named to the to the all-star team because he has been that good. But man, this this was I think this is the the best I've seen Jimmy and Bam play together. Maybe since Jimmy got here to Miami. I'm going to read here the stat lines, but the stat lines are I don't think they do justice as to how well both of those guys played. Although Jimmy Statling is pretty is pretty damn good. 32 points, 10 rebounds, Five assists, one steal, one block for Jimmy. 63% shooting. One for three from from deep, which 33% is respectable. We'll take it. It's coming from Jimmy Butler, who has been one of the league's worst at perimeter shooters since he got here to Miami. This is a fact. Bam Adebayo, 26 points, 19 rebounds. The rebounding numbers for Bam to start the season are outstanding. He's among the top five in the league. In rebounds per game, he should be going up. He was around 14 per game. He's this, this will help the average go up. 26 points, 19 rebounds, two assists. And there were two assists that there were one of them was a gorgeous pass to Marquise Morris on a cut that I just simply loved. And man, bam, he played really well. So, to start off the game, Miami jumped out to a to a 26-point lead at one point, they were dominating the Hornets. But credit to them, they came back. Gordon Hayward was was uh, was, was shooting the lights out of that ball. Lamelo Ball. Not until the end.
1: Not until the end. Not until the end. We okay. we held him in check in the first half too, but he did go nuts. Because I have a special sequence that I just have to mention from the guy um once we get a little deeper but yeah he, he eventually no, got yeah.
0: going go, go ahead mention it now because well Man, listen unless-
1: and it, again now we held them all in check in the first half i think in the first half we were up by 18 points um at the end of the half i want to say the score was like 46 to 64. um and basically you're looking at a team that was on pace to score two-thirds of the points that they you know typically had scored throughout the season, again, man, we we, we we can't say it enough. We're only five or six games into the season at this point. So, you know, you can take things with a grain of salt, but these guys are scoring 121.2 points a game coming into this game, and we held them to less than 50 and a half. I think that's pretty good. Um, so that just speaks towards the total defense that was played on everybody on that Charlotte side and by the Miami East side, which is reflective of the same thing that they've done all season. Um, even in the Indiana game, you know what I mean? There were defensive sequences that looked good, but they just didn't do it enough as they have throughout the rest of the games. Now, when you look at that second half, though, and talking about Gordon Hayward, he had this one transition, um, well, this one sequence, man, where he was ISO against, I want to say Tyler Hero, and he hit him with a double between the legs, pity Pat, looked at him, went back between the legs, looked at him again, and just rose up and nailed it from 33 feet. I mean, just cold. And then he came back on the next possession, and he was the guy cleaning up the offensive board for a putback with, like, three Miami Heat guys down there. Um, You know, I had to tweet out the Gary Payton meme. Like, who is this? Not Gordon Hayward. Because he ain't done that since he left Utah.
0: Yeah. Probably because of the leg injury that he suffered on opening night, I agree. With the well, Celtics. you ain't have
1: to say it so sarcastically, JJ. I know the man <laughs> tore his leg all to pieces. Probably because of his leg injury. I mean, I, I don't want to. The guy did tear his leg off his, I know JJ. <laughs> but continue.
0: <laughs> okay. So. Oh, that. I want to talk about something I noticed in the rotation of the fourth quarter. You notice when Bam got subbed out, or it was Detman? I don't remember. It's just, there was a lineup up there. It was basically Lowry, Hero, Jimmy, Max Strews, and Keefe. So, the heat and order counter. And it was for a brief moment there because Bam came back in
1: that's your all offense lineup though i think when you want to try to maximize your offense you played that lineup because you have just enough size in there defensively when you look at markeith and jimmy because jimmy can guard everybody in the floor one through five you don't want him guarding the fives that much because it's going to take a lot of wear and tear not that they could beef him down there because he's strong and he's tough but you just don't want him taking that wear and tear but ones through fours to be quite honest with you and i said this coming into the season. When you're looking at Kyle Laurie or Jimmy Butler, you feel comfortable with them on ones through fours because they're strong, because they're mean, and because they have the mentality to play defense. Um, one of our guys that all you can heat mentioned, and just to kind of speak to us that mentality and not to get too far off your lineup point, that whole thing is reflective in the fact do you remember the play where Kyle Laurie got need in his man parts by Gordon Hayward on the layup attempt?
0: Oh, yeah. I, every every man watching that game collectively let out a grunt. Absolutely.
1: Groom. Absolutely. Direct shot, too. But at that point, we're up almost 20. Yet you got your starting point guard. Star point guard, we can still say that. Um, you know, jumping mid air to try to block a man's layup, putting it all on the line. And when we say it all, if you see, you know, how the man got hit, he put it all on the line.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still getting used to watching a guy like Kyle Lowry every day. If, Every, almost every night and the the beating the beating that guy takes every night I mean did you see the elbow when he went in Brooklyn that thing was swelling up and I
1: oh yeah I, that was the, but that was after remember the Blake Griffin um the Blake Griffin fall where he you know I guess that was the one where he hurt the elbow but he also hit his head or something too
0: yeah and it was really scary that because that could have legitimately that would could have been So much worse than it turned out to be.
1: And we're forgetting about the ankle early on. Um, I think it was game one or game two.
0: Yeah, game one. He twisted his ankle. He didn't play game two, which we ended up losing. So, I want to talk about some Kyle Lowry, there's no denying that He has been struggling incredibly from the field. He has been been nothing, giving us nothing in the scoring department. Tonight, he was 2 for 10 from the floor, 20%. 0 for 4 from deep. That's not good. And he ended up with four points overall. Still had his five assists, but you know his impact, the way the touchdown pass that he threw to Bam that allowed him to to set to set himself up, or the and the other the other play where he pushed the ball up the court and Tyler Hero found himself getting a getting fouled and going to the line. Those are the type of things that Kyle Lowry does. And him stepping up and he took his charge. Rek was charge tonight. Of course he did. And he he has been great. I wouldn't call him incredible because, you know, I would I would love it if he could come back to being the Kyle Lowry we know that can't score. The shooting will probably come back because shooting, I think shooting is something that that comes It's a skill that you know you keep you keep shooting that ball and it'll eventually start falling in and when you once you see those fall in uh, you're back on track which brings me to the other guy that has been struggling shooting the ball or starting backcourt overall has not been shooting the ball well duncan robinson he i even saw him miss one where he barely touched the rim we're not used to seeing him do that you know he has been one of the best shooters in the NBA since the 2019-20 season. And it was tough, you know. I know some Heat fans are starting to get concerned. But as I mentioned on Twitter, his his shot will jump back. And we'll all be laughing about this. I'll be worried if it, if it doesn't come back by January. Then I could legitimately start getting worried. But five games in, we're still winning. And the fact that we're winning with our starting backcourt giving us nothing on the scoring department, and David Ramil mentioned this from Locked on Heat, I think that's to be a really encouraging sign, don't you think?
1: Absolutely, man. I mean, listen, so to your point about Cal Lori, yes, Cal Lorry right now is shooting. 29% from the field and 17% from three.
0: Not good. But as you – not, not good at no. all.
1: Not good at all. But he's averaging 7.7 7 assists. He's playing amazing defense, and he has the Heat going as fast as they've probably ever played. I mean, his impact, as you stated, was massive. He's still a huge part of the reason why they're having success right now. And if you look at the Miami Heat um, – I wanna be sure and correct them saying this, but I don't think they've scored less than a hundred in any game this season.
0: That's no, the a direct india, the, the Indiana game. Well the games that Kyle Lowry has played because right. in well, the, in the games the that Indiana Kyle Lowry has game.
1: played Right, I'm sorry, in the Indiana game, both neither team barely got to a hundred if it wasn't for the overtime. But in the games where he's played, they've scored they they haven't scored less than a hundred and that's a direct result of what he brings to the game. Um as far as his offense goes, you mentioned shooting Um, that comes with time and you have to believe that eventually he'll get back closer to his average which is from last year nearly you know 40% on I think like 7 attempts so he'll eventually get back to that and even in the Charlotte game um, on tonight which is Friday again we're recording on Friday after the Charlotte game he put his ability to get to the cup on display and he did it several times I think there were two times of note uh, once where we needed a big bucket. I think they had got it down to like six or it was at like eight at that point. And we had came down on several attempts and couldn't get anything going um, in the game. It was becoming stagnant. One of those games that usually see us lose the lead and go down by double digits because they eventually, the opposition eventually gets it back where the Miami last we,
0: struggle. Last year, we would have lost this game.
1: Right, Ooh. absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and I, that's exactly the moment I'm speaking to. And in that moment where we went two, three possessions, and not being able to get off a good shot, Cal Lurie came down and went right to the basket, scored an easy layup. And from that moment on, the Miami Heat got right back on track and ended up, you know, going on to put the game away. But, the, and I think it speaks to what he's, you know, what Rommel said from Locked on Heat. Um, that ability right there to come up big in the moments where they're off, it speaks dramatically towards what they're going to look like when they're back on. And as far as Duncan goes, man, you know my tagline with Duncan, yeah. You look at Duncan Robinson right now and you could do the same thing that you did with Kyle Laurie when you look at his percentages. Uh, if you look at his three-point percentages, he's shooting thirty one point thirty one point three percent from three. That's making 2.5 of eight attempts per game. But I take it back to the situation where he's always gonna probably come back to the average. Not probably, I'll take that out. He's always gonna come back to the average because he's a great shooter. And You know what those numbers are? They're forty-two percent on seven point eight attempts per game. So the man is shooting forty percent on eight attempts per game, and I digress. Amen,
0: amen. So the biggest. Can we talk about? It's been five games, but I just I've been so impressed with the impact that Kyler has had on Bam, the pick and roll game, the head to head passes, Jimmy as well, but with Bam. Because, oh, man, you know, Bam's my favorite player right now. And seeing him dunk that ball, the jab step, of course, that's on him. But I think the Kyle Lowry impact on Bam has been real. So he – I think you can add the extra points that Bam is scoring. It's like sort of like Kyle is gifting them to him. So you them split him. them
1: between him and Kyle. So, like, let's say if Bam scores six extra points, you add those – Three points to Kyle and get three of them to Bam. Something like that. I like that math
0: because Bam was not like this last year, and part of it, Bam has technically never played with a point guard like Kyle Lowry, a floor general. Because as much as we love Goran, Goran was a score-first guard.
1: And I want. A- I'm glad you said. Let me let me put a pin right there, not to cut you off because I want you to finish that. Yes, I agree with that, but I hate that people are going directly to that because that does kind of shine a bad light on going. And I do agree that that is the case, but at the same time, and it's not about going to any other point guard that has played there, what Cal Laurie has allowed Bam to do. And it's coming up on both sides of the ball and why, and why you could also point to it um, on the defensive end. When you look at Bam's crazy rebounding numbers, what Cal Laurie has allowed him to do is play closer to the rim, more consistently on both ends of the ball. On defense, he doesn't have to worry about guarding perimeter guy at more than he doesn't. And then on offense, he doesn't have to worry about being one of the main facilitators and creators. So he can play closer to the rim. And when you're playing close to the rim, you're just bound to get more looks. So it's just the way it works out.
0: And which was his strength coming out of college, as you have mentioned before, being a rim runner and a rim protector that's – how he was coming out of college so Kenneth final thoughts before we wrap up there's gonna be a short show today because well, it's it's Friday night and we it's it's one of the nice it's pre pre Halloween
1: absolutely man I mean you know coming to you guys twice a week we don't want to hold you for an hour and 15 minutes a show if we can there might be sometimes we get to an hour but if we can keep it nice and Clean 35, 45 minutes or so, 50 minutes maybe. That's what we're trying to do. So we're not rushing out of here. It's just, you know, we want to give it to you guys in bite-sized pieces because we want you to keep coming back.
0: So tomorrow night, second night of a back-to-back, against the Memphis Grizzlies. And I do not like this game this fortunately seems like a scheduled loss. It's a
1: classic trap game, but it's also just so happens to be a versus a very good team, which is why you shudder to use that word trap game. And I'll I'll give you this, because we have a 10 game, we have a tough 10 game stretch that we're actually in the midst of now that started with Brooklyn, that you're going to see, I want to say this is the sequence, Utah, OKC, Utah. And that OKC matchup on the second night of a back-to-back against Utah is a classic trap game. Because even though we look at OKC as not being a very good team right now, like if you look at a game against the Lakers the other night, they're not a team that's going to quit. And if you give them a window, they can come back. So that's the pure definition of a classic trap game. But I think this Grizzlies game have a little bit over it too. Because we're looking at the Grizzlies and we're saying, yeah, they have the potential to be very good this year, and especially what Ja's doing. But they shouldn't be better than the Miami Heat right now, especially trying to get – um, you know, all of their pieces back acclimated, especially when you look at Jaron Jackson Jr. or whatever, and his injury situation over the past couple of years and trying to, you know, work everything out, get him back, get the new guys in. You traded Valanchunas for Adams in the offseason. And of course, you know, incorporating all of that back into the scheme. But of course, with this Grizzlies team not being, you know, one of the bad teams, quote unquote, you definitely look at it and say, man, eh, it's a game where if you lose it, you could definitely see how it happened.
0: Yeah, but as I mentioned at the start, classic scheduled loss. Hopefully Bam's knee is okay to go for the second night of a back-to-back. I wouldn't be even surprised if they decide to sit him down if the knee starts giving him issues again because he came into the game with a busted knee, but he warmed up and he played. And, well, he played spectacularly. So, John Moran is, of course, the... The, Sorry,
1: I didn't know how the, much further you were going to go there on Bam. Um, yeah, I do get the knee situation. And if the man needs one, give him one. But he did score his 26 and grab 19 boards. So I'm just saying he was okay.
0: He looked okay. Let's see how. Okay?
1: He, the man had 30 and 20, JJ. <laughs> he looked amazing.
0: <laughs> he looked incredible as Bam is because Bam is an incredible player. But you know, this is a solid
1: game. Did, did you so, say, I'm sorry, JJ. What we've been asking for for Bam, the power slam where he gave the guy to show the shoulder nug and then just tore it off the backboard. Do you remember that one?
0: Of course. That's a I Bam mean, slam.
1: Uh, oh my God. Man, man. I, I almost went through the roof.
0: Do you want to know how many shot attempts Bam had tonight?
1: Oh, I already know, but you can tell the world.
0: 16. Do you know What's how many our magic he had number, JJ?
1: What's that magic number though?
0: 15. Right. You know how many how many he had against Brooklyn?
1: I already know, you tell me.
0: 17. He knows.
1: He knows. You think he reading it? You think he's listening and reading to I mean it it it's something it's just something there. I, I don't know. I mean, I love it though. I don't care what it is. As long as he keeps doing it, I'm happy.
0: But yeah, he, he knows. Probably the coaching staff has told him multiple times to, to shoot the ball more. And with Kyle on the floor, I'm sure that Kyle is getting on his ear. And, and I know it, we're in
1: Memphis right now, but the mid range game. I mean, he hit mid range jumpers tonight over people, wide open, uh, off platform, on platform. The mid range game is so sweet right now for Bam. So,
0: and I, I need him
1: to play tomorrow. I do. I, if again, JJ, if the man needs one because I need him to play 82 above all else or as close to as many and be ready for the playoffs. But um, in a situation where, as you've mentioned, a classic scheduled loss, don't you want 30 and 20 on the floor?
0: Of course. But you've got to be careful with that knee, hopefully. And, you know, you're going up against Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams is not its not good. Not a good matchup for him. And
1: Oh, I, oh. I, was, I, was, I was, don't disrespect Stephen Adams because Stephen Adams is the opposite of not good, brother. He's pretty good.
0: Nah, I don't think he's that good. And he, he's he's not OKC Stephen Adams that got the extension. He's not. I don't know. Maybe, but whatever. We, we, we really don't know. And huh. We're Anything talking else about,
1: about Bam playing. We're talking about BAM playing, we're, we're moving on to Memphis. We're talking about Bam playing closer to the rim, right?
0: Yeah, I know Stephen Adams is. Is a strong dude. R- um, that's
1: all I'm. And, and, and not only a strong dude, bro, but when you're talking about being closer to that rim and operating at that rim, that's why Memphis went and got him. Look at the situation. You have a lot of people asking, why would you swap Valentunas for Adams? Well, you swap Valentunas for Adams because Adams is a defensive presence. And though Valentunas is a guy that can get his own offensively, when you talk about playing team offense, you look at a guy like Adams being better because coming off of the roll or even initiating the screen sequence, that tough stuff, that big to big bangy stuff, that's the stuff that Adams excels at. And when you're talking about a banged up bam that we've seen play closer to the rim, I don't know if that's the situation, you know, that I'm really going into saying Bam should dominate. Now again, if we
0: were but talking bam, about Bam's a more mobile guy. If you put him in space, Bam it, it's all, it all depends on the knee. I Bam, agree, and that's going to Bam be a situation where you
1: see Jay, you're going to see Jaren Jackson going out there and Adam staying closer to the rim in those situations.
0: Hmm. Let's see how Memphis counters. I am – of course, I'm going to watch this game. They're my guys. But I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out to be a frustrating game for the Heat. Plenty of frustrating games throughout the years for the Miami Heat against the Grizzlies. Both, Both games in Memphis last season were – well, yeah, I was about to say, the, you know what against happened last Memphis, year. Against Memphis, both games were really... Uh,
1: JJ, you know how it did. is. Another one of those gritty teams. They give effort. They always play well. They always seem to be coached well. Um, and they never give up. So, mm-hmm. did that you know I said that's the formula. And it's already bared itself out one time this
0: year. Before we leave, there's something else I want to address about the rotation of the fourth quarter. P.J. Tucker... I wouldn't say he didn't play in the fourth or barely played. Do you think it was because it's the first night of a back-to-back? Maybe Spo was saving him and hope and let Max Drews for an extended period of time because we know PJ Tucker's got some mileage on those legs, especially after playing center for the Rockets for a couple for for some time there. So I don't know. Maybe to me it seemed like Spo was trying to save some of PJ Tucker's legs for tomorrow night.
1: It could have been that, but it could have also been one of those things where, listen, P.J. is like a targeted missile on defense. You know what I mean? If you know where the attack is going to come from, then, of course, P.J. is going to play the majority of any game. Let's get that out the way. So, specifically, the rotation you're talking about towards the end of the game, it's like he's a targeted missile. If you know where the attack is going to come from, such as Kevin Durant then okay, P.J.'s a great guy to have out there because it's like your value on that side is so great. We can sacrifice the offense. But in a game like this one where it's LaMelo not – by the way, he was like two for 14, and they did yeah, the LaMoe, whole – like LaMoe they did a, did a not, totally – Yeah, did not shoot it was a the hype ball train well. for him. It, the whole game seemed like a hype train for him throughout the pregame festivities and all of that. But he played poorly, to say the least. But when you got a guy like him orchestrating the offense, it's basically – going to be in a situation where they're trying to get out and run and the points might come from anywhere. I don't think it's a equitable sacrifice in that situation where you're worried about them coming back outscoring you to have PJ in as opposed to a guy like Max who could provide some shooting or you know some more creation offensively. So I think that was just a pick and choose situation it's not like he's going to be as effective anyway because there's not one guy that we're looking at to absolutely maul us with these guys as opposed to their pace and their transition and then Lamelo's ability to create for everybody. So it's not like P.J. is going to be super effective anyway and the sacrifice of his lack of offense at that particular moment or a part of the game isn't um, one that you probably want to make. So I think Max is the better choice there and that's probably the science behind it.
0: Hmm, yeah. So without further ado, let's say, let's wrap this up. Kenneth, what do you think happens tomorrow night, quickly?
1: If Bam plays, we win. If Bam doesn't play, I still think we have a chance to win, but it, it becomes a increasingly harder game. And I think the case that we win is because they're looking at the schedule and saying, look, if we go out and get this game tomorrow night, we off until Tuesday.
0: Hmm. I'll say, again, it all depends on Bam's knee. But I wouldn't be surprised if he sits down because we're still in October and you don't, want, you don't want to be chasing hard after a win on Saturday, you know, on the second half of back-to-back in October. You still got a whole season to play. So, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to go with a scheduled loss here. I'm going to say we might, we'll, take, we'll take the L.
1: So, to speak to your point by saying it's still in October because I won't tell the people that it's one day until October over. Yeah, that may be the case, but even if he does play, they don't play again until November.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean if you can use this if you can use it still October, I can use they don't play again until November.
0: Okay, I'll give you that. So with uh with that being said, thank you for listening to this episode of Three O Five Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also leave a short review and a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Three O Five Culture Pod.
1: And JJ, where can they find you on social media?
0: They can find me at JJ Rivera NBA on Twitter. That's at JJ Rivera V as in Victor E R A NBA. And you can also find me on Instagram at jairorivera Rivera. That ninety-eight. That's J A I R O R I V as in Victor again E R A. 98 and where can they find you my friend
1: they can find me on twitter at k said k that's k underscore s-a-i-d underscore q-u-e again k underscore said underscore k and on instagram you can find me at i am k service that's i the word am k again I A M K C I R R U S. I M K am k series We thank you guys. We appreciate you guys. Continue to check us out. And we'll continue to do our part to try to bring you this heat talk whenever we can, man.
0: Absolutely. So thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye.